Oliver Braid. Hello, I'm Ellie. And uh, as you know, this is the Ellie and Oliver show, live from Glasgow, every Friday, 12 till 12.30. But today we've got a little confession for you. It's actually Thursday evening and it's around half past eight because tomorrow Ellie is doing something while we're all listening uh, that she is slightly too modest to talk about at the moment, but hopefully <laughs> we'll hear something about that in the future. So... Um, it's my theme this week, actually, which I always really enjoy. And uh, I know last time I'd, I, it was my theme, I just went straight in, talked about it straight away. I'm going to do that again. So this week's theme is actually modesties. And uh, mm. I chose this because, you know, last week we had this conversation about values. And one of the values that I was talking about that I prize very highly is kind of accurate or... Um, very direct communication and the ability to try and communicate very directly. And so one of the things that I've I've been noticing a lot more recently is kind of trying to, to be very like straightforward about what I'm saying with people. And one of the things that I often find very difficult to talk about to people and does make me behave very strangely is when I have to talk about things that I do as an artist, if I have a project on or if I've written something or, you know... Not so much the show, because obviously this is a hobby, but when it comes to kind of self-promotion, uh, sometimes I find it quite awkward, and I find it most awkward. Recently I was in a situation where I was with someone that I hadn't met before, and it felt very much like both of us were trying to... Well, we were both saying things that we were doing at the time, work-wise, but I could tell that this person and myself both felt slightly awkward about saying it, because mm. you could tell... The problem is, you don't want to seem like you're boasting but you also slightly want to share that information <laughs> and so it's it's really for me like modesty I was I was wondering really actually I was thinking it's kind of a combination for me why I feel this awkwardness about this communication and I think partly it's kind of a parentally induced paranoia about always being the one blowing your own trumpet and mm. like not wanting to blow your own trumpet but also it's slightly about feeling sympathetic to other people's situations and always you know knowing that in the situation like with artists not everyone is working all the time and so you don't always want to be saying I'm doing this I'm doing this if other people <coughs> then can't say it back so I, I have been wondering actually like whether it's better to feign <laughs> a certain sense of modesty even if it's very obvious that you're feigning it or whether it is just to be very proud and upfront and direct. This is what I'm doing, um, you know, and I'm sorry that you're not doing it. But so, yeah, I mean, that's been a, a big concern this week for me. And, um, and I guess it comes down slightly also to production. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and overemphasizing or even emphasizing the fact that you're producing things and whether actually being modest with production is something that maybe I'm more drawn towards. But I don't know whether it's the right way to be. Mm. I think um, 
like following on from last week's show, which was about values, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Oh my god, I'm a bit sleepy. This is the the downside to recording at half past eight at night. I hope I can string a sentence together. Half past eight is very late, isn't <laughs> it? Um, so last week was about values, and I remember that I was trying to think about this is kind of where the theme came from because I felt in a way that. I had not been honest completely in that show, or I'd felt, what, what was I? I? I came out of that show and I felt like I'd betrayed myself in some way. Wow. <laughs> I can't need to listen to it again. I just remember thinking that I'd waffled on about such and such without actually, like acknowledging what a hypocrite I am, I suppose. Mm. I don't know what Sorry, this is Sorry, I'm not agreeing <laughs> to say that you're a hypocrite any more than the rest of us are, are a hypocrite. I mean, but this situation that I'm uh, talking about is is a, a kind of a situation where if you find modesty, then maybe you fall into hypocrisy. Yeah, that's it. Because that's what... Uh, maybe I was feigning virtuousness... Or I wasn't necessarily feigning it, but I was talking about like the fundamentals of socialism and stuff, which I believe in. But at the same time, we're sitting in my flat that I own, and you're my <laughs> tenant, and I'm your evil landlady. <laughs> so like, I'm a massive walking contradiction. And I think that um, that's what I think was the problem with last week's show, is that I emphasised one side of my character, which maybe makes me come a lot across a lot more virtuous without emphasising the other part of my who I am, which would give a more balanced overall picture mm-hmm. of the sort of person that I am. So I was thinking about um, self-deprecation as being an important mm. quality, and that's something that I don't think that I displayed enough in last week's show. So I'll endeavour to display more self-deprecation this week and self de- like deprecation self deprecation and modesty i suppose they're kind of related but i've actually written in my notes here that i don't think i know of any modest artists i think it's a contradiction in terms well, i think mm, no, i go think on. <laughs> i think there are modest people in the universe mm. And they're the ones that don't become artists. I think all of the artists that are out there have got massive egos. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. Mm. And that any modesty that might be displayed by artists out there that you encounter is feigned modesty. Either because they want to make their peers not feel so bad about not being so busy and not being so successful. Or because they think by feigning modesty... Um, they'll come across as a more virtuous person. Yeah, I, I totally understand that, but I also think that we should make a distinction between um, the artists that you know of and the artists that exist in a sort of public environment and those kind of artists, and then actually the idea that there might be people mm. that do exist in the universe and they consider themselves as artists, but they're not necessarily tri- either trying to make a career out of it or they're consciously trying to slightly do something that isn't about having to push yourself out there and make money and actually you're performing actions which you consider to be uh, of artistic value, but perhaps there are 
there are art movements that don't necessarily require to uh, a public acknowledgement. So I'm thinking really specifically about Hakim Bey's immediatism, which mm-hmm. I know we've talked about Hakim Bey before, but uh, I mean, what in in the kind of the brief text that he writes on immediatism, he's talking very much about how all art that exists yeah. in the public consists of some mediation of experience and it's kind of alterable or measurable on the intensity of imaginative participation that the word demands. He talks about how we become alienated from art forms and actually what, you know, what immediatism is more about, that I've got this quote from him here that says, we miss the smell, taste, touch, the feel of bodies in motion and the body itself is the least mediated of all media. So, you know, immediatism, in, from his point of view, is more about daily actions, I think, and yeah. interacting in that situation. And that's not about, I don't think, having to self-promote that situation because it exists slightly under the radar. It's not being done and then labelled as art. Like this, in the same when he talks about poetic terrorism, he says, don't do poetic terrorism for artists or for people who would see it to be art. Do it for people who actually it would affect their lives or change it because they wouldn't just see it as this kind of mediated experience Mm. but I know like the other week when we were on the train to Edinburgh and you were talking about some ideas you've got for I guess performance works that I won't go into details because you may not want me to spill the beans you might be too modest but one of the things that stuck in my mind is the idea that you were thinking not to document them that they would just happen but they Mm. wouldn't be documented and I, when you were saying it, I was, fi- you know, finding that quite painful to listen to, the fact that you would go to all that time and effort and not bother to make any documentation mm. of it. And I can see that that's what immediatism is all about. You know, it's about the experience. It's about being there I- in that place at that time. And that's all you get. But I wonder whether for you, naturally, whether that cu- is a... But unnatural instinct. But doing something unnatural, I think, is perhaps important. You know, I was having a conversation on Saturday night with some people and I was saying, look, in the future, the way things are, like, artists won't be making objects. Yeah. You know, we won't have that. Because, and it's not about... I listened to this really amazing lecture today by a lady called Kate Soper. She's a philosopher. Mm. And her the philosophy that she developed is called alternative hedonism. Mm. And so what she's looking at is both the environmental and the emotional catastrophes, she calls mm-hmm. them, of capitalist society. Yeah. And so, sh- But she talks about instead of these life changes that we try to um, perform based on threats, like the world's going to end, blah, 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 if you don't. Her, her philosophy is based more on like offering a pleasure and a pleasurable way of existing. She also looks now at like the negative side effects of consumer culture, such as because she talks about workaholics and the idea of stress, Mm. overwork, obesity, as well as environmental reasons. She talks about um, having kind of less resource-intensive living and how consumerism actually keeps us... I mean, this is obvious, but it keeps us away from the immediate Mm. or the sensual. She talks a lot about Mm. the return to the sensual and, and more time for convivial pleasure and what's very interesting i think for the ellie and oliver show is she says like why are we why have we succumbed to like work and purchase environment like why are we so obsessed with work and why shouldn't we become more obsessed with our hobbies 
And of wow. course, that what we're doing here is a hobby. So I think yeah. it's it's she's uh, really interesting. What she's talking I about is very interesting. I need to listen to that, and so do all of our listeners. By the sounds yeah, of it. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. It's on Philosophy Bites. But um, we have got to play a song now. Okay. Because that's the format of the show. That's what it dictates. I wanted to say something about. I mean, that sounds. All of that sounds. Exactly. Like what I meant just I'm just trying really to take it all in. It's really fascinating. I'd like to tell you some more about it afterwards. Okay, because yeah, but it's yeah, it's like all of the stuff that I guess I kind of believe in or already. It's like we, you don't need. It's a type of modest living, actually, yeah. and she talks about as, as well. What I think is really interesting is that she says that consumer culture is actually, strangely, like more puritanical because you just like. Um, it's about working to and earn the money. Yeah, well, and where she com- she compares this shit. kind of aesthetic hedonism. She talks about it more as being like a baroque experience of living, which is more about being a more enriched human being because yeah. it's about having sensual experiences as a, per- as a person rather than just like look. Well, let's play a song. But I just believe the less money you spend, the less money you have to earn. That's one of my new mantras. So being thrifty me is is not is is a means to an end mm-hmm. of having a more enriching lifestyle, because then you don't have to earn so much money and you can just live modestly but live well. Yeah. So let's play Definitely. a song. Definitely. Let's play this song. And this song, <laughs> I don't know quite how to introduce it other than I heard it on my second favorite radio st- uh, radio station, Radio One Extra, <laughs> this week, and it stuck out because it didn't sound like a. Typical Radio 1 Extra song. Um, but I just really liked it. It was a little bit melancholy, and I was feeling a little bit melancholy. I think there's something a bit understated about it, actually. We could, d- in relation to a lot of 1 Extra, yeah, if we're clutching at straws, we could describe it as a modest... It's modest. It's quite emotional. Mm. And it rather than about being about having a convivial or essential experience, it's about dancing on your own.
So that was Jessie Ware. <laughs> Don't actually know who she is. No, never heard of her. Just heard her on the Radio 1 Extra in the week. massive. Well, actually, no, because I was saying that I still watched the video on YouTube and I was really unimpressed by what she looked like. <laughs> oh, uh. She just had all this foundation on. I'm not a big fan of foundation. No, it is frightening foundation. It's just like, oh, it? it's so I'm unnatural. i by it, even really more so on boys. Yeah. I can't believe it. We were out the other night <laughs> and I saw a boy that I know and he had... Quite a generous coat of foundation on, and a beard, which I think is quite a like, quite a wild look in a I way. I don't like it when the foundation gets caught in the bristles. No, do you? I, mean, I mean I actually like that less on a girl, because that is unfortunate, isn't it? <laughs> wow, we're really flying through genders tonight. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I think that probably was the most up-to-date song I've ever picked. So I don't think it's even been released yet. No, Oliver, 2012. Can you believe? <laughs> so anyway, um, I've got a few more things that I wanted to talk about in relation to the theme of modesty. Um, I talked a bit about self-deprecation. And I was mentioning to you that one of the things I've been working on over the last couple of weeks is this audio archive. Because <laughs> now I see myself as a bit of a seasoned broadcaster. <laughs> radio show host extraordinaire what I wanted to do was to go back and look at all of the radio interviews that I'd done in the past and to create an archive on my own Mixcloud um, page you know I like to keep myself busy and to heaven myself forbid you should do something and it not be <laughs> documented exactly but anyway it went back to this interview that the first radio interview I ever did in 2002 which was on BBC Radio Shropshire yeah <laughs> Hitting the big time. <laughs> and I listened to it and I was so embarrassed. I wish we had a sample of it right now. I'd well, we could get, shall we get a sample of yeah, it? Yeah, let's put a little sample in. Okay, well, seeing <laughs> this is pre-recorded, we can do that. So we'll play a little sample of one of the questions. Um, here we go. What do you want to do with yourself in the future? Oh, I want to be a famous artist. I thought you might somehow. <laughs> I thought this was a pitch. Oh, little Ellie. She just wanted to be a really famous artist. So embarrassing. Oh. But the thing about that is I am <laughs> so embarrassed of it, about it. You know, I've listened to it, embarrassed in my studio on my own. But it's <laughs> almost because I'm so embarrassed I feel like I have to put it on the internet because it would be dishonest mm-hmm. <laughs> to keep it hidden away. It's like I discovered it and like <laughs> it was just, it, you know, it's so crackly. That's because it was sitting on a audio cassette and I had to get my old Walkman, plug it into my laptop via, no way. yeah, via, via the, um, like the microphone input and record it digitally. That is so amazing that you can do that. So... Not particularly modest from an early age. Straight in on the radio, <laughs> 22. I want to be a famous artist. Now you're a bit embarrassed. But, you know, I think it is important to put that kind of stuff on because I think it's it's related to modesty in a way that actually we are very honest with people that we all have the capacity to embarrass ourselves. Yeah. And there's something very beautiful about that. Yeah, well, I think there's something less modest... Oh, sorry, I think there's something more modest about putting that online and admitting your flaws and not being ashamed to be imba- to, to embarrass yourself. To me, that's more honest and more modest than, than keeping it hidden away. 
I know what you mean. I think both, there could be an argument for both because mm. there's a certain culture that obviously laps up social embarrassment in a, in a, in a way. Uh, so it could be seen as like uh, pandering to yeah. that. But I actually, I think it's much better for an artist to try and just be honest with younger artists because when I was younger, you know, you tried to talk to people about how they got where they were going or something like that. People just seem like people don't really want to completely talk about it and they don't yeah. want to talk about their past in those kind of ways because they want to maintain a certain, like, level of, like, I guess what they think must be, like, dignity. or yeah. But it's something to do with power instead, really, and I think it's better to but be honest. Yeah, for, I mean, for me, like, the practice I've got now and the, like, research I did while I was on the MFA was Im- totally, like, inspired or trying to deal with what I saw as a complete brainwashing coming out of art school the first time around mm-hmm. in 2001 which is actually uh, six mo- about six months later that interview was done and feeling that I'd come out of art school and I just wanted to be like the YBAs I'd yeah. seen the YBAs and I thought that's what you did and I just thought well if I work really hard then I'll get there and that what I'm trying to do what I tried to do on the MFA and what I've been trying to do since is to critique that whole, like, change in um, society and change in, like, the way that art education was structured that just churned out people mm-hmm. to take on this, like, job as famous artists. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, it's, it's difficult. It's about, like, aspiration, isn't it? And about, like, thinking, well, we can't all aspire to do that because it's... Not, it's a quite a nonsense job and it's not really the most useful of things to do. I think it depends what you want out of life, but you know, you s- it's I, d- I think that we've discovered, or and I think everyone knows, that actually that kind of stuff is not like you're really going to be happy doing that. You're actually like, <laughs> it takes a lot more to be a fulfilled human being than just to like, you know, <laughs> be a famous artist. <laughs> I'm talking to the young <laughs> Ellie Harrison here. And and now we realise, or I think that I realise that actually what I really want is to have, um, you know, I read this information about Facebook recently and people sharing on Facebook and the theory being, you know, we make artwork so that we can share it because we love to communicate and therefore like the bigger the share, the better the reward. But actually what I'm much more interested in, uh, which I've obviously talked about a lot probably on this show and other ones is smaller, more intimate connections because in this study that was done on Facebook recently, it showed that if you got a like from mm. someone <laughs> on your site that has no that has no hedonic effect but a public conversation on your wall with other people that yeah. has like a dramatic rise mm. and that's because it would rise in happiness yeah rise in happiness a much bigger hedonic effect is caused through like what they call composed communication. Mm. Um, but it's nice when people are writing in the oil because then it makes it really popular. Yeah, that's and that's the difference <laughs> as well. Like it's also different, I think, when you get a direct message. Apparently the best way to receive is is through these semi public wall conversations. Mm. Yeah, better. Um, like and it, it. is because you know if you get lots of people commenting on it, there's a weird s- feeling like, oh yeah, I did something right then. Although that's kind of dark as well because it's still connected to really some weird. kind of need for your sharing to be acknowledged and actually like maybe it's enough for your friends to acknowledge it or this because you know I'm really into this idea of communal warmth at the moment and and how actually maybe that can only really happen in company that you feel particularly close to like I I know at the minute that I 
I'm feeling a lot more secure in my group of friends than I have done previously because I think like I've been going out dancing a lot more and actually a lot of the time I can only dance. I feel like I can have that kind of joy, joyous feeling when I do feel very like connected and close to the people around me. If mm. I'm in a room full of people, for example, who I think don't like me or who I don't feel comfortable with, I'm much less likely to be able to um, or, or to want to feel that sort of movement. Are you suggesting that this uh, this radio show, as well as being themed around modesty, has got a sort of sub-theme of dancing? Dancing <laughs> has... <laughs> dances. It has, you know, because we first we th- played the song that was about dancing on your own. It's and quite flamboyant, though, dancing. It's kind of the opposite of modesty, isn't it? Um, is it? No, because it depends. If you're dancing on your own... <laughs> as the song suggested. Yeah, but actually, the other type of dancing... If you're just dancing in a massive room full of people and no one's really paying attention to... I mean, that sounds kind of idealistic. Obviously, people are looking around at each other, but if you're really lost in that moment of dancing, and this is something that comes up in Barbara Ehrenreich's book, Dancing in the Street, which is an amazing book that I read last year and I reread this year, and it really started my interest in like collective effervescence, which I've spoken about before, communal ecstasy. Uh, and that, I mean, she's taught specifically, it's like a, a history going from like um, ecstatic rites in super old times and leading all the way up to present day and how dance has been responsible for like a lot of bringing together and a lot of disruption of um, hierarchies. But are we, is it kind yeah, of, we sort of end time? I know, but I wanted to just say. Did you just, just say, say we may as well just, oh, I, I was well going to say, I wanted to say, Things that I haven't said. Please, please say some things. But they're not relevant now anymore. But Uh, I just wanted to say something to do with modesty and humour because Mm -hmm. we are meant to be talking about modesty. We are meant to be talking about modesty. Slash dancing. Oh, but we're going to go on over again. Go on, pop pop this in about humour. Well, I just think that there's something... It's more to do with self-deprecation than modesty. But I think it comes with having... To ha- being able to have a sense of humour. I think so many artists don't have sense of humour. Mm. This whole show's just been a critique of art- artists, really, hasn't it? Well, I think that we're talking about... Well, maybe... Well, Yeah, maybe, but we hardly ever talk about art, I don't think. Okay. Maybe we talk about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, that you only really get self-reflexiveness when you have a sense of humour and you're able to be like self-deprecating and I think that's what a lot of artists lack. It's got nothing to do with dancing or convivial... Convivial pleasure. (laughs) Convivial pleasure. (laughs) So (laughs) let's just get on with the next song. Yeah, cool. So I guess we're going to end then, right? Uh, I'll just introduce this song. So... um, this is a song that's more... I've been listening to it a lot recently because uh, I felt a bit sad and this it just really cheers me up because it's just about, I think, just focusing on losing yourself in the dance. Uh, woo! Woo! So this is uh, Roots Maneuver and Mind to Motion. Have a great Friday. Thanks for listening. Grip the grippy, hunger for hippie Bigfoot, blacker than soot, it's my shot put I put them out with my turn of phrase 
civil switchblade, rebel ice they paid, unorthodox reverend, the push bike peddler, citizen smive descending from the skies, social survivors still scratching on, I'll pay that money back when I get my hit song, I'm up to things, I'm into things, please lord forgive me for my sin and sin sins, a word of strong drinks and a word of strong thinking, I've seen the sinking sands, I ain't sinking, syntactical tacklers, volatile as the Gaza Strip, I'm all about the arse, the tits and true indeed, I'm in a class of my own, cause the clean girls love off the sugar boca tone, I get it, mind to motion, swing your pants, mind to motion, swing your skirt, shake away the hurt, just fall in your finger, make it clean the wine glass, tap your belly, go kick a hole in the rod, not tell it, go kick a hole in the rod, not mind to motion, swing it for me, swing it for me, mind to motion, swing it for me, Smith be the stink one with the brain gun, the skanking in the rain gun. So what you saying, hon? Bring the rum calm, liquid sunshine, heating up my cocoa, overproof done chip, check my bottle, ray to the nephew, respect is shoot to the flames on my chest, proceed with hot steps, increase my prospects, rebel I stay vexed. Big hungry belly and some stinking breath. Back to back, mayhem we chase those checks he got. Mind to motion, swing your pants, mind to motion. Swing your skirt, shake away the hurt Just torn with your finger, may think Cling the wine glass, tap your belly Go kick a hole in the rod, not tell it Go kick a hole in the rod, not Mind to motion, swing it for me, swing it for me Mind to motion, swing it for me Said that said be squarely your tone and tune to par. Mr. Bonner grip par lays to raw. Manuvia, son of that next inquisition with that big fat stiffy for the missy who be wishing to get stuck to mine. Word is born, word is birth. Get no gimp and smurf, no smurf. I'm in tune to my word from it. None of my business, then I don't know nothing. I keep a hate for my very own glutton. I ain't a pimp, but I'm still pimp shotting. Pass me the prawns, but no pass me no mutton. Maneuver SC with that old stink something. Mind to motion, swing your pants. Mind to motion, swing your skirt. Shake away the hurt, just fall with your finger, make it cling the wine glass. Tap your belly, go kick a hole in the rod, not tell it. Go kick a hole in the rod, not. 